BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, y'all, welcome to the final episode of Right Now-ish's Big Love series. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. On this one, we're taking that traditional love, you know, that thing that people often call romantic love, and we're adding some much needed layers. This romance is based in Afrocentric love, and then the next tier has got a whole bunch of community love, and then on top of it, wrapped up nicely, is the love of art. The two people responsible for constructing this kind of love are the multi-talented creators from the Bay who have long resumes. Hi, I'm Karen Seneferu. I'm a mother, a daughter, a wife, a community builder, an artist, and a God cipher. Hello, I am Malik Seneferu. I am a uh, counselor, husband, a father, a son, a uh, member of the community. Beyond the titles, there's a story of how this love came to be. And that origin story is deeply intertwined with community and art. And really, it's all the same love. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Can you define love for me? Love is maturity. Love is something that's forever advancing itself within itself. Me and my wife don't look at love from a romantic or European standard where there's somebody whistling from the top of a uh, castle. You know, it's really about intergenerational love where, you know, you love the fact that they were a child and you love the fact that they made it up to this point. You cherish every part of that. So uh, love is really a uh, inhale and exhale with consciousness. The first thing that comes to my mind about love is that love is the willingness to see people as who they exactly are.
So love is about recognition, about the capacity one has for the self and thus the willingness to show that to others who may not fully see who they are. And to some extent, forgiving of who they they may not be at the time in which you want to fully love them. Gotcha. It's, it's like there's overlap in the definitions that you both shared for sure. It's like full scale recognition of a human being. Yeah. Yeah. And all that that human being entails. Absolutely. Sister Karen, I wanted to talk to you about the creative work that you do since that's a big part of the love that you all share. You recently curated the latest rendition of your staple exhibition, The Black Woman is God at Soma Arts. Can you tell us what's the message of the show? Well, it's a multi-disciplined exhibition that recognize when Black women create they existing as a godlike figure. So it's really about love because it's about recognizing the full capacity of Black women historically, culturally, socially, politically in the African diasporic. Like I've been to a couple of openings in the past and I got a sense of love there. Like you walk around and you just see people just in flow. How does your work intersect with art, love and community? Well, first and foremost, I love the Black community. I just love us. I love all that we are, good, bad, and indifferent. I understand the contributions that we have made to the world. And I also know how difficult it is to claim yourself in a world that doesn't want you to recognize those contributions. And then I, I love the idea of creating space and sharing that space with the community. I ran into a young woman who was in the show and she had never been to the Black Woman's God. And this one was really kind of mild in comparison to the 2,500 people we have coming into the space. This one had about 100 because of COVID and the new restrictions and all that. But she said they, you know, that a number of them went to a, a dinner and then they cried at the dinner table uh, because the exhibit was so beautiful to them. And, and I said to her, well, that's the intention. And then she kind of looked at me. I'm like, yeah, that's the intention. It is to make you cry because in those tears is healing. Brother Malik, man, you got all types of work to reference. But for the purpose of this conversation on love, community and art, I want to talk to you about a new project that you have down in the Bayview called Clear the Air. Malik was selected to create artwork that reflects the community at the site of the Southeast Waterfront Treatment Plant. It's a mural on a long vinyl banner, about 600 feet long, with illustrations of large colorful masks and trees on a background of birds. As a part of that, Malik partnered with Rise Academy, doing workshops with young people, teaching drawing and discussing environmental justice. He's also done lots of mentoring of young people outside of this. Malik, my question to you is, how do you see your work on Clear the Air symbolizing love and community? I was born and raised in San Francisco and born in Hunters Point. Uh, my mom was homeless. We moved all over the city. So this idea of Clear the Air is also, you know, mending the Black family back together, really building what it means to be a father, what it means to be a mother, what it means to raise a child. 
when you look at this particular piece, you'll see the trees. You know, there's that connection where uh, an ancestor dies and a tree grows. Many would say, you know, ancestor is someone who earns that position in many parts of uh, African culture. But here in the Western Hemisphere, we kind of take a different uh, vibration on that because we have so many that are dying young. So clear the air is just rebuilding the community. So now we have an understanding of who y'all are as artists, the work that you bring to the table. I come to you because when I see you two together, I think of the term that often gets thrown around, power couple, two individuals who have a certain aura about them, who come together to create a union. And we got to start at the, the beginning. How, where did y'all meet? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, let me just say that I got kind of tired of, you know, experiencing the same kind of outcome, which was nothing. And uh, and then I said, okay, I know. I started, you know, meditating on like what kind of black man I wanted, how I wanted him to look, and how I wanted them to be. And I said, I wanted to be taller than me and have locks and be educated, but he doesn't have to be academic. And I want him to have love for the community. I want the community to love him. And then I said, oh, I know. I I want that uh, black man I saw at the car jam last year. We were at this time uh, coming to Karijama to uh, be a part of the hordas that happens in the Capoeira Angola community. I had seen him with his hair on top of his head and it, and it, it looked like the sun was radiating from the sky either down onto his hair or he was emanating light like into the sky. I went, oh my God, that man is so beautiful. Fast forward to one fateful day at a park. You know, five minutes into the park and uh, was at a food stand and I would have my head down and I was saying to my girlfriend, I said, you know, the reason why I came to this park is because last year I saw this brother, he was so beautiful. And as I was about to tell her about him, describe him, I heard, how you doing sis? I've been seeing you all around. And I looked up and it was Malik. Uh, you know, I was all sweaty, you know, I had my, 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 my training shirt on and stuff, and we were just walking across the way, and all of a sudden I look over to my left, and I see her down, and she's talking with a group of women, and I said, oh, well, let me, I said, watch this, I'm gonna just go talk to the sister, we just talking to the sister. <laughs> Nothing big. <laughs> Nothing big. <laughs> I had all these little things, like I had my little lunch box with Kali, the Kali goddess on the, on it. And I said, if he don't like this lunch box, we ain't gonna date. <laughs> you know, like I had all these like, if he don't like kids, we ain't gonna date. You know, like I got all these like, what we ain't gonna do. And then I said, what do you do? And he said, I teach in Baby Hunter's Point. I said, who do you teach? He said, I teach children. I went, check, check. <laughs> I did notice that, you know, the lunchbox. I'm like, who got a lunch pail these days? She got one. You know? <laughs> but I acknowledged, I was like, oh, nice, real nice. You know, I looked at that and I was like, okay, that's nice. You know, I had a little artwork on it and stuff. She wrote her number on the card, got back home, and the number looked like six numbers, so I couldn't call her. And then, unfortunately, you know, my little brother got caught with a weapon uh, a few miles away, we got kicked out the spot. And the last thing I had to move out 
was the phone. I called the number because I hadn't heard from him. And as I dialed the number, I put the phone in my ear and I didn't hear it ring. I went to go dial her number, but I picked up the phone and there was no, you know, there was no dial, there was no tone. I'm like, oh, I know they didn't cut the phone off that fast. <laughs> like, they swarmed on us. And I'm like, hello? And it was her. She said hello. It was so cute. Uh, I picked him up at the bar station, and he had on an uh, he had on an army fatigue uh, uh, outfit and yeah. black Converse. We, you know, we go into the house, and he looked around, and Malik was the first person to say, "You're an artist." That's what he said to me, and I went, "I'm an artist." He said, yeah. I said, what makes you think I'm an artist? He said, look around. Your whole house is an altar. I had never heard the word altar until Malik. And then the other was, I had never heard anybody say, I am an artist. They would always ask if I was an artist. And so I never thought I was. But when I, when I look back on it, I always say he anointed me. You know, he said, you know, you are, you are. An artist. <laughs> and from there, I actually started creating outside of my body. When they met, Karen was the mother of a teenager, Trent. And Malik had a newborn son, Osazi. As Karen and Malik's relationship blossomed, Osazi had Karen in his life as another mother. And Malik eventually became the grandfather to Trent's daughter. How could we not be blood? Because it feels like blood. You know, that's that deep, deep African diasporic love, you know, that uh, transcends blood and creates these invisible connections that become very apparent in the behavior. Like you said, love is the behavior. And so she can have that intrinsic relationship to to Malik and I can have that intrinsic relationship to Osazi. And in that right, you know, love is, in fact, the culture. It's the culture, the very impetus or act is, in fact, love. You know, building the homes, creating the art, all of that is the exercise of love. I'm wondering, did either of you have role models, specifically couples who are working artists, that you had in mind when you said, this is what I want? I hate to say it, but we don't have that. The love that we have, we know that is revolutionary. There has been a systematic design to ensure that that would not be the case. You know, the love we have for each other is is a similar way in which we are creating out of our imagination. We know mm-hmm. that our ancestors brought us together yeah. and keeps us together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the community does that. And, yeah. and uh, our love for one another does that. Our love mm-hmm. for our, our, our children yeah. and our grandchildren. You two being both visionaries, artists, mirroring one another. I sometimes have conflicts with the person in the mirror. I'm wondering if you, <laughs> you two, <laughs> being artists, sharing the same space, how do you navigate uh, issues of conflict or even even competition as artists. Yeah, conflict comes up with us and mm-hmm. you know when we're not when we're not being our best selves, we have said things to each other yeah. that really don't reflect our true meaning mm-hmm. at that moment. 
you know, we're not uh, working within the same spaces of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working in partnership mm-hmm. with one another in our creativity. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a balance and recognition and, and support of the advancement of each other's art career. We don't have a lot of time right, right. Um, to, to reflect on envy and jealousy yeah. because one, we're just like, we're working all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and that work produces the activities that we want to achieve for ourselves, for our community, for one another. Being a teacher, when you provide somebody with information to go out and do well and they go out and do well, that's a reflection on what you've been able to do. You know, that's a reflection on you too. And so I never feel at one time that because my wife is receiving accolades and all of that, that I feel like I need to receive what she receives. I know what I'm capable of. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not starved of what of that, you know what I mean? So it's not really this, what happened if she do good? Yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's why I always acknowledge him in public spaces, you know, in the Black Woman is God. And um, I can see people get uncomfortable with that. But it's for me, it's really important because, you know, he's been doing this for 40 years. I've been doing this for 15, maybe. But he's my greatest advisor. To me, that is a very African practice, recognizing those that have gone before you. And so Malik is standing next to me, but he's also gone before me. And he set the pathway for this project. You know, I always say the black woman is God, the black man is God, thus the black family is God. You know, all of those elements exist because of our coming together. Big time love and appreciation to Karen and Malik Sinefru. Thanks for taking some time to chop it up with me about love. Loving someone's baby pictures or loving someone like you love breathing. Loving someone for being a human being. That's love. To see the creations from this mighty power couple, you can find Karen Sinefru's work at Karen underscore Sinefru on Instagram. That's spelled Karen, K-A-R-E-N underscore Sinefru, S-E-N-E-F-E-R-U. And you can find Malik's work on Instagram as well. That's under Malik's art. And that's spelled M-A-L-I-K-S-A-R-T. The producer of this show is Marisol Medina Cadena. Jessica Plachik is the editor. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Our engagement team is made up of Ashley Ng, Justin Ebrahimi, and Rhea Garawal. Kiana Mogadam is the interim head of podcasts. KQED execs are David Marcus and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. We're concluding our big series on big love, but before we split, I gotta remind y'all, self-love, showing love, tough love, and the love of community and art are just a few of the ways that we can experience love. There's a lot more out there. I hope it finds you in one way or another. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 